Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. In this week's Eccentric Minute, we'll discuss another one of our foundational exercises, and that is the K-Pulley Leg Drive. To execute this, you're going to need to set some sort of support right out in front of you where you're going to be about under your shoulders and allowing your body to extend out at a 45 degree angle. From here, you're going to let your hips sink straight back towards the K-Pulley, and I want you to push as hard as you can with your feet to drive your shoulders up and out at a 45 degree angle by extending your hip, knees, and ankles. This is a great exercise to start training your athletes to be up off their heels and to drive through the ball of their feet and their big toe as we move forward in training. Give this one a shot, guys. I think this is one that you're going to love and your athletes are really going to enjoy. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and discussing the life of the minor league baseball strength coach with Terrence Kennel. After a quick little intro, guys, we're going to get right into the world of minor league baseball. Terrence is going to share with us what that life is like, the impacts of culture, and how that impacts not just the game, but like day-to-day living and interaction with players, and what the travel situation is like and the impacts that that has on not just nutrition and sleep, but the training protocols that he's able to work with. Uh, He then runs down the rabbit hole of the curveballs that you get thrown when it comes to how you work with and train these athletes. And really share some interesting kind of like on your toes moments that he's had over the past year. You know, then we finish off, you know, talking about how this situation has made Terrence a better coach and really give some good lessons that we all can take from it, you know, that, that he learned along the way this past year working in the minors. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Terrence, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jay. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm stoked to get this one down because uh, there's a cool backstory and even some cooler things going on down there in, in Texas right now. But, you know, for the person listening who doesn't know who young Terrence is, let's let's hear your backstory, man. How'd you get down to Houston? What you got cooking down there and, and, and what you getting into? Uh, so for those who don't know me, uh, Terrence Kennel, a.k.a. Young Terrence, as named by Kier, um, TK, on like Twitter, Instagram, and everything. Um, let's see, back, how, how far do you want to go back? I guess you go from like college, I guess. Yeah, man. Let's because that's where the story starts. Yeah. So okay. So 
in college, wanted to be a strength conditioning coach, realized that I was playing rugby, um, just wanted to be a better athlete and better player, found like rugby strength coach, um, like .com, found like Kier on Twitter, Instagram, things like that, started following him. I saw he's like, he kind of lined with ways I was kind of thinking um, as far as like my strength and conditioning side. Uh, probably helped that like, so the first training book I ever read was Super Training, I was like 19. I had no idea what it was saying. And I, was, I still have that same book. And I have my notes that I wrote in the book, like the annotations I did when I was 19. And I look at it now, I'm like, what the hell was I even talking about? <laughs> like, a clear idea is like, I had no clue what I was really reading. <laughs> and um, so then I interned Arkansas State while I was there uh, in down Jonesboro uh, for a summer working with football basketball, track and field, and a little bit of baseball. And then going into my summer, going into my senior year, I actually got an internship at North Dakota State. And hopped in, hopped in uh, the car, drove 16 hours to Fargo, North Dakota. In that process, though, before I left, I saw Kier posted an internship in Japan. He was in Tokyo at the time with Toshiba uh, Brave Lupus. A professional rugby team there. I was like, screw it, I'll apply. There's no, literally, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get it. It's going to be like 200 applications. I mean, people who actually have a degree already, people who already have a CSCS, things like that. People who already actually fully done real paid work. At that time, only paid work I'd done was like a bit of personal training here or there. And I was in North Carolina for a summer. So I applied, was in Fargo, North Dakota for all of three days. Then at three day time, I had a Skype interview. And I got to the second stage, or the second stage of like answering some questions that returned to Kier. And then the third stage was a Skype interview. And then like literally the next day I got an email saying that he wanted me for the position and I need to be on a plane to Japan within like the next like week. And I was like, oh shit. I just got to leave. And so I literally sent the director at the time, director of Olympic sports at the time in North Dakota State, an email at like four in the morning. Like, hey, I'm really sorry. I know I just got here like three days ago, um, but I actually got the opportunity to be an intern um, professional rubber team in Japan under like Kirwan and Flat. I don't think he even knew who he was at the time. But um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna head out. <laughs> I booked my flight it was like two days later, and I drove. Um, I hopped in the car, left the rent for the summer on the uh, on the counter. In the middle, like, middle of the night, I left a note on the table with the with the rent for the summer for like my roommates in that apartment, and like drove sixteen hours straight back to Arkansas, unloaded my car, repacked the bag, grabbed my passport, and then I was on a flight like two days later. And to the end, to the end, to pay for that flight, I so I had to sell my MacBook to pay for that flight. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And then now that's this trip around the world has brought you back to Houston. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been, yeah, pretty much gone kind of full circle with it. Like, left the States and come back to the States. Like, after I graduated Arkansas State, did my master's in applied exercise physiology in London at St. Mary's University. And while I was there, uh, worked in worked the Rich, Rich and Rugby Club, head of rehab, uh, worked, in, worked in fighting, worked with some tennis players as well, and some basketball players. And then visa ran out. There wasn't necessarily a job opportunity to stay there. And... Lucky I found an opportunity working with the Houston Astros uh, with our coordinator, Dan House, who was a former uh, strength conditioning coach at EIS, England 7s and GB7s, so that. 
Which is an interesting tie together, the whole bringing the rugby world into the baseball world. Yeah, that definitely is. And I say the biggest culture shock um, going into baseball, just realizing what what condition is in baseball and condition in rugby, a two very different conditioning. So I think that was kind of the biggest thing I had to realize early on. So, oh, I can't, I don't need to program much longer, like we're doing a walk bike session. Doesn't, well, what I would think a walk bike session conditioning would be is much different than that, the needs of a position player in baseball or a pitcher in baseball. So then how did some of this work in your two stops coming over there? How was some of this translated into that subculture of baseball? And where are some things that you see, like with that mm. difference that you've identified already, where are some things that you see that we could do better with when it comes to those things? In terms of in, in, the, in the baseball world? Yeah. Okay, so I'll say in the baseball world, traditionally there's a – if it, I can only speak on professional baseball. I can't speak on what college is a little different, like the schedule is a bit different. But in professional baseball, at the minor league level, it's a 140-game season, not including playoffs. On average, it's about one day off every 23 or so games. So you're playing every, so you're playing every day. So that's been commonly used as an excuse to not train or like not really train in like the five, six-month season, which we just know is like you just can't do that. Like the body, There's no... The body doesn't stay the same. Like whatever you hit in spring training, it's not like I'm just gonna coast for the next five and a half months and I'll be fine. It's like no, you still need to push push the boundaries of performance and try to push limits. And we still need to do conditioning. We still need to be sprinting. We still need to be lifting heavy at some points. Like it needs to be like a peak and valley. I'm not gonna lift heavy all the time, but with times we're gonna lift heavy, we're gonna go for three, a three rep match in season. We're gonna go. We're gonna. We're gonna push. Luckily, we have a gym to wear with the Astros too, which is very nice to use. So guys can kind of get a hard number and explain to guys too, like, hey, just because we're training really hard now at this point in the season doesn't mean we're gonna not. We're gonna, uh, doesn't mean we're not gonna like die down a little bit and like deload. Well, I don't like to use the term deload, but train a little bit lighter, move a little bit faster. But we still have to train all these qualities in season because we can't maintain for five and a half months. Yeah, and with the, the length of the season and the travel situation, how is that something that you've had to manipulate what you typically would do with these athletes because of those you know, hamstringing situations? Yeah. So I would say a big one, if it comes to travel, a uh, big thing with the travel is that East in our league, in Texas League, in AA, our shortest bus ride from Corpus Christi is seven hours. Everything that's that's in that's in division. <laughs> in division seven hours. Everything else in our division is nine hours, nine, nine, and twelve. Yeah. Twelve to uh, panhandle Amarillo, Texas. But so I think a big one is that days we come in and we're always traveling through the night. So you'll play that day and so if that game's at game's at seven PM, something like that, eight PM, you're done at ten thirty, eleven. We want a bus by like 11.30 sometimes, 11, depending on what time the game ends, usually done on a bus within an hour. After they got to the end of the game, they were traveling through the night. And so we're getting in at sunrise. If we're, if we're lucky, get in before sunrise. That's like the joke you always say, like, beat, beat the sun to the next location, just in terms of sleep. Um, so everyone's just being able to adapt and realizing, like, hey, like, the days we get in, we're not going to do, even though I want, guys to, I want to say we want to lift the gym session, like miss a gym session on the road. It's like, 
we can miss a gym session on the road. And instead, instead, you know, before we do some stuff on the field, before we hit in the cage, we can do some mobility session. We can do some trunk mobility, just like almost like posture work, like a lot of dead bugs, a lot, a lot of stretching, a lot of mobility work, uh, a lot of busy time with it, with our athletic trainer on his, on his table <laughs> as well. Yeah, because and then I think that you know, looking at that whole precarious situation that you guys are in, and with sleep being such a hot and sexy topic, and things that are so important that we now just realize in 2019. But how does that play in? How do you work with that with the guys? Because you know, obviously, traveling on a bus through the night isn't going to be ideal for them to recover for the next day. Big one that helps is that because our games when we arrive are always to be night games, so we'll have we won't have anything at the field till say the game at seven, we won't have a bus to the field from the hotel till four, four thirty. And we told guys like, hey, like sleep in, like sleep in much like sleep sleep as almost as late as possible. Like get some food, go back to sleep. <laughs> like luckily a lot of the hotels are pretty close to like restaurants, so guys will walk, go grab food, and lots, a, lot, a lot of them will go back and go straight back to sleep after that. So that's good. Then also they find ways to go sleep on a bus. The hardest issue is sometimes is some of our some of our Latin players who love coffee will have no problem drinking a coffee at three o'clock in the morning on a bus. <laughs> and then wonder why I can't go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then that's gotta throw them off for days. Yeah, that's so that's that's a big one too. Like you're fighting that cultural aspect too of like we have players from Venezuela, players from Cuba, Dominican Republic. Panama, and it's not getting them to understand on, on the nutrition side, but also like we're on a bus. Like you need normally, it's like you, you need a coffee at three o'clock in the morning. We can, it's like just go to sleep. <laughs> right at the gas station, use the bathroom, go to sleep, go back on a bus and fall asleep. Yeah, and then that too, I bet, is an interesting situation to be in because you know, with most of us over here in America, I mean, we're you know, different countries isn't something we have the luxury of dealing with more often with those cultures. So nutrition-wise, that must be a real challenge. Yeah, I said the biggest challenge you have nutrition-wise is that a lot of players from like a lot of Latin countries, nutrition, they just like really sweet things. And so I mean, a lot of like, like juices and things like that. They really like, like the fruit juices. And so getting our equipment guys, the guys who kind of stock up our refrigerators to buy like more healthier options, quote-unquote, I like that end of it. You can't have you can't have none of it, otherwise it'll be a riot. But <laughs> it's like instead of buying typical minute made fruit juice, it's like maybe you can buy like a naked smoothie, stuff like that. Like find find those little places to have like small victories. It's not the one. Yeah, you know, we we run into that too when it comes to setting up like our whatever you want to call it, like fueling stations. Really it's just a kitchen with a fridge. Um but it's like trying to find What's the best worst option? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I like that because I still feel like I'm losing. But I think that that's the the only mm-hmm. way that we can go without, like you said, having a revolution. Yeah, a <laughs> uh, big ones like um, getting t- telling guys healthier options in like a Love's gas station in the middle of the night. Stop, guys are hungry. Well, sometimes sometimes I'm hungry. Another talk I had to have with guys listen like you're not like you're not actually hungry. You're just bored. <laughs> Especially our guys who are like 
oh, I have to massage, you need to like, lose weight, or I need, need to adjust like, the body comp. As, I'm like, listen, like, you're not, there's no more time, a normal day, you will not be eating because it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, you be, you be asleep. Like, you're not actually hungry. You're literally just bored. <laughs> but then, guys who are actually hungry, man, need to gain some weight, need to eat. So like, tell them, like, hey, like, you can buy some jerky, too. You don't have to buy a candy bar. You don't have to be a bag of chips. You buy some jerky. You buy a lot of gas stations now, especially love, so, like, Quest bars. Luckily, like, in Texas, for those who, listeners who are from Texas, know Bucky's. Bucky's gas stations are basically, like, Walmart's. Like, they have everything in there. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. And I think that like, you know, again, like talking about the best worst options, but it's teaching them that the decision based on the time is so important, you know, because all of those things, because when you're, you're not sleeping well, right, your training is not going to be good the next day. And now you're eating like garbage, like how that's going to turn into a downward spiral for these young guys. Yeah, 100%. That's, I would... Minor league baseball is definitely, even though I hate the word grind, like it's almost the best way to describe it. From a player side and a coaching side, it really is. A grind, just, you have to be able to adjust on the fly, always. Like you can't be very rigid in like your thought process or like your system. If you're very like system-based, it's going to be hard to survive in minor league baseball because nothing's ever perfect. <laughs> yeah, so then let's talk about that a bit because I think that some of those curveballs, pun intended, yeah. That you get thrown. How, let's talk about a couple of those that you either didn't expect or really caught you off guard. Because I think that these these minor league positions are, are ones that are really attractive to a lot of people. But I think that they may think there's more structure and simplicity to it than there is. Yeah, I think it was definitely sometimes. I think because people know it's like professional sport. So I think it's sold as like. They see in their, in their mind the way they see it as set shit than what it actually is. So an example I have is um is gym is like working out on the road. So working on the road, most places you just can't you can't get your position players like your infielders, outfielders, catchers in the gym during like late in the day, especially if you have night games. And so that means hey, we're going to a gold's gym, we're going to a lifetime fitness, a 10 fitness, a 24-hour fitness, like going to a commercial gym. And you're like, all right. We, we're going to occupy this kind of space over here. It may be one squat rack. It may be no squat racks. And we're just going to find adjustments in the program, kind of based on the equipment we have. Um, so that's a big, big one. Another one is that, so pitchers have a thing called throwing program. That's like their practice. They do every day, regardless of like travel or anything. But so you never really want pitchers to like lift weights beforehand. You want them to be fresh going into that, and obviously, like they're pitching, so they throw, like using their arm and everything. But that also means that when they do their lifts, if they're not pitching that day, um, sometimes you have to be a little creative. So not every, even even double A, which is basically like across the street from the big leagues, essentially. Um, not every team has a weight room that you can use on the visiting side. Most in, in our league, pretty much none of them do. Um, a lot of times, they let you use their stuff. I use their weight room sometimes, but some teams have like organizational rules. They don't let the opposing team use their weight room at all. Um, so a lot of times, so I'll say in Amarillo, a Padres affiliate, there they put all their dumbbells. They have a bunch of spare ones. They put them under a staircase. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, but the staircase, when you walk down these stairs, it's also where the fans go to sit behind the home plate. It's like a special. It's like, <laughs> so like you go down these stairs. 
the, all the weights on like a mat are there, all these dumbbells. And then there's like the two players, the two coaches, like in players' locker rooms. And then like they go down a tunnel, and that's where these like fans area are. So like players are working out, I'm like blast, I'm like blasting music. Like I actually got in trouble a little bit by the general manager, because I'm like blasting music. I got like four pitches down there. Uh, like lifting, just, just all dumbbells everywhere. So that guy's like doing floor press. <laughs> We're throwing med balls at the wall, trying to hit the elevator door. There's like fans walking by. Like so, like some of them are like drunk. There's like obviously like people buying alcohol. There's hospitality service people walking by, <laughs> and it's just if you like had no idea what was going on, you'd just be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm like guys doing Nordics. I'm like on my knees holding guys' ankles as they're doing Nordics like in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> But work had to be done, so. Yeah, so then how, because what we know, right, that it's important, it, it's kind of two ends of the spectrum that you're kind of fighting there. Yeah. So how do you then, with the necessity of having to do work, continue to follow some sort of plan or progression so you know the guys are actually getting better? Yeah, the big one is like finding like the, Whatever, that, whatever block that player's program is on, that you've like created, okay, what's like the most important aspect of that program? And you try to hit that stimulus. So in that case, with like, if a guy's more, they're more velocity, they're, they're more like specialized. So like their their gym session be essentially like 60-40 rule. So it's 60% of things moving fast. So med balls, jumps. So that's the main portion that we're gonna do as many med balls and jumps as we kind of can that get good quality work out of it. And then if we miss a little bit of the strength stuff because we're in a stairwell, it's not the end of the world. And we know we can make it up when we get back home. And the same thing the other way, if they're more of a strength biased and we're in a stairwell situation or a no weights at all situation, then they're gonna do a lot of ISO holds. Guys did a lot of ISO push-ups, uh, a lot of ISO like pull-ups. Um, one example, and we were in Frisco, one of our teams on division, and I had guys, they had big like wraps above their, um, Lockers in the visiting side, and they could they could hold a person. I know I just hopped up on it, like to see if I could hold myself up without like falling. And so the guys are doing ISO pull up holds like on that, and like so I just move the chairs in the in the locker room like during the game. They just like jump up, do ISO pull up holds, maybe do eccentric coming down, and that was some of their strengths. That was part of their strength stimulus for the day, because there was no weights or anything. They would do some banded face pulls. Uh, a TRX and some ISO push-ups and some eccentric push-ups and then we call it a session. That's interesting though. I mean, like it really must, I mean, you, you kind of got to stretch your creativity, but you also have to kind of probably checks like how far you're willing to go to get something done. Yeah. You definitely realize like your limits. And something else depends on the guy as well. If you have some guys who are a bit more trained, a lot of guys who were who like played in college, so like American guys who like played in college and had like a strength conditioning program for a while, you're not necessarily as worried about those guys usually. Um, some like your younger guys, like a lot of Latin guys, like they'll be signed at you know 16, 17 years old. May maybe if they're really really good, like maybe about at double A. Usually they're much older, but you never know. Maybe a guy who's like 20 years old, 20, 21, and so like they their training age is really like a year or two, realistically, or maybe even three, like three or four at like maximum at that point. And like, you, like they need almost as much stimulus as possible. So if we can do some ISO split squat holds, some eccentric split squats, some like partner resisted like eccentric split squats, 
It's like, one of those words comes to you, something's better than nothing, but as long as it's something that's still of some kind of quality, then it's always balancing that. It's always that balancing act of it. So then, I think that, like, what would probably be cool to hear then is, like, how did this make you a better coach? Like, being put in those situations. I'll say for me, it's just maybe be able to just fully think, like, like on my feet. Because there were times where, I, for me, it was all brand new as well. So I didn't know what I was really going to have going to each place. So the first time around, uh, when I played everybody, everything was completely brand new. Like, I was deer in the headlights. Like, I guess we're going to do our, oh, this team hits on the field every single day. At the same time, we're going to do speed. So we're going to do our speed session on, like, the first baseline, put, like, the little fence little netting there and hope none of us get hit <laughs> by a foul ball. <laughs> we're going to do, do our speed session in, in this 10 to 12 yard space. <laughs> so, yeah, man. I mean, the, the challenges then really must have dragged out. Like where, you know, the things that you had grown accustomed to and that you had seen work and, and really challenged those to push the boundaries a bit. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think another big thing as well was getting, because baseball tends to be very kind of stuck in its ways and very like old school. Um, it's getting guys to kind of think outside the box as well. Like, hey, we're going to warm up in the bullpen today. And they'd be like, what the fuck? You know, we don't warm up in bullpens in baseball. I'm like, they don't think of it as a bullpen. Think of it as just a place where there's grass at, where, where you like to won't get hit by a ball. <laughs> and then up. <that's> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I think that that creativity is, is going to help moving forward. So then what's next, Terrence? What, are, what do you have cooking then? And, and where can people end out, find out more and see what you're doing and, and learn more from you? Uh, what's next? So right now we're in off-season period. I know we said a little bit about this like before we got on. Like you go from having 11 to 13, 14-hour days just pretty much every day for the last five and a half months to now an off-season you just have nothing. So I have like four and a, four four or five months or so. Don't really have to be anywhere. So it's kind of a weird spot to be in. Uh, so for me, I'm gonna do a lot of traveling, learning during this time period. Like I'll be a fly out to London next week. Um, I'll be there. I'll, I'll try to do a bit of guest coaching, like just some drop-ins. People want to do speed sessions. Coaches want to just talk. Like I'm all for it. I'm all, I'm always open to learn. Um, gonna see, hoping to hoping to go see Hank and go to his seminar in Netherlands in uh, November. So yeah, people are in contact with me. Social media is probably the best way. I'm a, I probably spend too much time on Twitter, Instagram, especially now that's off season. <laughs> I have nothing better to do sometimes. Terrence, man, absolutely killer stuff. Thank you so much for your time, brother. And uh, we'll make sure that we get those, uh, those handles posted in the notes so people can hit you up when you're across the pond and when you're rolling around the country this next summer. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, man. Appreciate it, brother. We'll be in touch real soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, man. And a huge thanks to Terrence Kettle for spending the time with us today. Guys, just some open, honest, candid sharing from a coach who's been through it and understands what it is. And I think that these, you know, these minor league jobs, you know, that we see pop up every year, I think that they have kind of this interesting appeal to them. And it's nice to hear that, you know, somebody like young Terrence is able to be so successful in the situation and it's also really cool to hear like some lessons that we can all take from it and ways that we can be a better coach and, and some things that he learned along the way. So TK, man, can't thank you enough for being so open, honest, and candid with your sharing and, and everything you're doing, brother, to help us be better. And guys, make sure that you're hopping out on Instagram and Twitter at T 
Tea Kettle Fizz Prep. Make sure you give him a follow because he's putting out some cool stuff. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here in Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.